أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان وبعد so we spoke a little bit earlier today in the khutbah about Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam and these days are days where we remember uh, the rites of Hajj uh, which are connected with Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam for a number of reasons. One reason is that like we mentioned from before the visitation of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a primordial rite of Islam. It doesn't even originate with Banu Adam with mankind. Rather, the ulama, they say that there are three qiblas, all three of them are in line with one another. Uh, one is the, the lowest one, which is the, uh, uh, the one that's indicated by the Kaaba. According to the fuqaha, the qibla is not the Kaaba itself. Rather, and it's not even the point where the Kaaba is. Rather, it's a line, or technically, I guess, according to... According to geometry, it's a ray that originates at the, at the place where the Kaaba is and then it goes into the sky. So if the Qibla was a point itself, then the people praying on the roof, for example, of the third, the third floor of the Haram Sharif wouldn't be facing the Qibla because it would be below them. Uh, although many of the ulama have expressed uh, uh, their displeasure with the idea that there is a place where you can stand in the, in the Masjid, much less the Makkah Mukarramah that's above the Kaaba, uh, that's a separate. That's a separate issue, and it's more or less settled because they built it the way they built it. Although classically, they wouldn't allow that. There was no building that was classically that was allowed in the Ottoman times and before that was allowed to be built higher than the Kaaba itself. But uh, the idea is that it's a, a line or a ray that extends upward from where the where the Kaaba is, and it goes into the heavens, and then it crosses a place in the Sama Dunya. And the lowest of the heavens, which is known as Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur, the, the inhabited house. And so Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur, what it is, is a place where the angels, they worship and they make tawaf, and they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur is of celestial, of celestial craft. The angels built it themselves. And so the idea is that when Sayyidina... Uh, 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 Adam when he came to this earth he petitioned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says that I miss the sacred presence that I used to feel in Jannah and I know that you're there but I feel cut off from, from communicating with you with the sacred communion that all, all of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation in Jannah has that's direct and uninterrupted uh, because here we know Allah is there and we call on him but we don't hear him Whereas there, whoever calls on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala receives the answer immediately and is innately uh, 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 filled with the, the awareness of Allah ta'ala's presence. In fact, this is the uh, aqidah of the Muslims that the highest pleasure of Jannah is that you will be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and this is a theologically, this is a complex issue because the idea is that uh, how can you see Allah ta'ala, the one who's... Uh, the one who's expansive and uh, overwhelming existence is uh, something that cannot be encapsulated into anything. How can you see him? 
And this is one of those points of aqidah that even the mutakallimun, even the, the ulama of aqidah, they say that the Muslims just accept it. That Allah Ta'ala says this, it can happen, and so how it's possible, He knows best. Otherwise, uh, otherwise uh, we're forbidden from even thinking about that because the, the question itself uh, becomes, uh, becomes something kind of uh, beyond a person's ability to fathom. But at any rate, um, Sayyidina Adam a.s. missed the presence of Allah Ta'ala, so he petitioned Allah Ta'ala that, that I, I, I miss your presence and I know that you're there, but I don't feel the, the communion that I had with you when I was in Jannah, so what should I do? And Allah Ta'ala sent, them, sent him then the revelation that go to such and such place, uh, you will find, uh, uh, you will find a, uh, 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 my house over there, and you will uh, uh, be able to enter it. And when you enter it, enter as if you were in Jannah. Which is what? The people when they're in Jannah, it comes in the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that their nails are uncut, their hair is uncut, and they come in the uh, aboriginal state, right? Because we're, we're human beings, we're animals in the sense that we're not, you know, we're obviously not plants or whatever. We're biologically, we're very similar to animals. We're also very dissimilar to them in very important ways. But the idea is that the, the human being in this world is like if you took like an animal out of its natural habitat and threw it somewhere else. The human being is not uh, from this world. Uh, he and she is not meant to live in this world forever. And as long as we're in this world, we're going to be uh, awkward at best. Uh, and that's why uh, the Sha'ir, anyone read the uh, Riyadh al-Salihin uh, with, uh, with Sheikh Ismail? Uh, if he doesn't read it regularly, you should petition him to uh, read it to you and then actually show up to the dars afterward. Uh, in the Riyadh al-Salihin, uh, Imam Nawawi, rahimahullah wa ta'ala, he he quotes uh, three lines of poetry. Inna lillahi ibadun futana talaqu dunya wa khafu fitana nazaru fiha falamma alimu annaha laysat lihayin watana ja'aluha lujjatan wa attakhadu salih al-a'mali fihi sufuna. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has certain very intelligent slaves. Uh, they uh, divorce, they divorce this world. As if the, this is a marriage between a, a person and between the dunya. So they gave divorce to this world out of fear of Allah Ta'ala's punishment. And they looked at this world and once they were certain that it is not the homeland of any living person. The fact that you're alive means that this place is not where you belong. Because this place is the abode of death. There's nothing in this world that lives forever. So the idea is this is, that this is something that our ulama understood from before. There's a weak hadith, even the attribution of it to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is precarious at best. But uh, there's a weak hadith that the ulama uh, transmit and that they quote from time to time, the hubbul watani min al-iman, that to love a person's homeland is, is, is from iman, is from faith. The meaning of it is not that you go out and you know, get, get a flag out and, uh, you know, uh, set off firecrackers. If you want to do that, you know, I'm not going to say it's haram, but that's not the meaning of the hadith, that you're from America and you, you know, uh, uh, scream and shout or from whatever other country you're from. Uh, no country is unique. And in that, the sense that every people from every country think that their country is the best uh, and their country is unique in participating in that, they're not unique. Rather, the meaning of this hadith is, is that the watan, the original homeland of, of, of Banu Adam is what? 
is Jannah. The love of that watan, the love of that homeland, that's the iman that's being referred to in this hadith. So at any rate, what happened is Allah Ta'ala told Sayyidina Adam Alayhi salam that when you come, come with the adab of a person who's in Jannah, which is you don't cut your hair, you don't cut your nails, just like every other animal that Allah Ta'ala created, it has a, a way of being to feel at home, and it has a way of, of existing that's uh, free from guilt or sin or, or anything like that. We don't say if a human being kills, uh, even steps on a cockroach for no reason, it's a sin. Whereas you might see a lion will hunt a gazelle and eat it. There's no sin in it. It's what the gazelle does and it's what the lion does. Everything is completely in harmony and equilibrium. And so the, the idea was that that's the, that's the place where uh, a human being can feel like that. Not in this world. Uh, and so Allah Ta'ala told Sayyidina Adam, when you come to this place, uh, come, to, come with the, uh, uh, the, the adab of a person who's in Jannah. And so you don't clip your nails, you don't cut your hair, uh, you don't use the you don't you, you know you don't use the facilities. You don't go to the bathroom. You don't. Uh, pe- people ask this question: do, Will you go to the bathroom in Jannah? There's no need for for any of that in Jannah. Uh, uh, that a man and woman don't have relations uh, uh, in that place. That's these are the adab of although that does happen in Jannah, but at least in in the the Haram Sharif, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala commanded that these things are proscribed. So he told Sayyidina Adam salam, come in a state of purity and come in this special state. And while you're here, you can stay and you can uh, call on me and you'll feel my sacred presence. And when you, your human needs overtake you, then go back out and deal with whatever business you need to deal with. And then when you wish to, you can come back again. And so this, uh, this is the origin, the origin of the, the Masjid al-Haram, which is in Makkah Mukarramah. And this is uh, something to understand that when Allah Ta'ala put Sayyidina Adam salam into this world, even the Arabian Peninsula itself was not, uh, uh, was not the dry and barren desert that it is today. Rather, it was lush and green and abounding with, uh, with life and with water and with things like that. And this is part of the adab of coming to the Haram Sharif. You can't kill anything. You can't uproot any plants. Uh, uh, even to this day, uh, uh, the wild, even the insects, it's haram to kill them, uh, with the exception of like a scorpion or something that's very, like a snake or something like that. But generally the, the animals, you can't kill them. Uh, although domesticated animals, you can slaughter them, but the wild animals, you cannot kill them in that place. And so that Kaaba and that Masjid al-Haram that was there at the time of Sayyidina that's Adam. At any time, like if you... Like whether you're in a haram or not. In that, if you're in a haram... Wherever you are, you can't kill stuff. And if you're in the haram, the boundary, the sacred boundary that's around Makkah Mukarramah, whether you're in a haram or not, you can't kill stuff. So, uh, and domesticated animals don't count for that. For domesticated animals, they can be sacrificed. But uh, the wild animals and the plants and fauna and flora of of that place, you can't do anything to damage. It's haram, it's a sin. You can't do anything to damage any of them. And so at that time, it was filled with life. And the Kaaba and the Masjid al-Haram, which was built at that time, uh, were this celestial-made Kaaba that was built by the angels. And when the flood of Sayyidina Nuh came and washed out, uh, washed out the Arabian Peninsula uh, amongst other places, at that time, the, Allah Ta'ala commanded the angels to lift this entire Masjid al-Haram and Kaaba out of this world and to place it in Al-Bayt al-Ma'mur this second qibla that we spoke about. 
And the third qibla, which is above that, which is in the highest of the heavens, is what? Is the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the angels are constantly making tawaf around it and praying toward it. They face it when they pray and when they, when they make the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, that's, that's their qibla as well. As for seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is something that none of the, none of the creation has done. This is something that will be given, a gift that will be given to the human beings in Jannah. People may see a tajalli of Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala may show them some sort of sign of His existence. But the idea of seeing Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, this is something even the angels haven't done. Even the angels have a qibla uh, in, the, in the heavens to which they, uh, uh, they, they uh, project their petitions to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Otherwise, nobody from His creation has seen Him. Jalla so... The idea is that the reason we associate Sayyidina Ibrahim with Hajj is firstly because after the flood of Sayyidina Nuh the uh, 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 place was shown by revelation to Ibrahim where the Kaaba was. And it's well known that uh, the Arabian Peninsula in the time of Sayyidina Ibrahim was... Uh, already uh, a time when the Arabian Peninsula was barren and desolate. It was a desert. Which indicates that the time between Sayyidina Ibrahim and us is much shorter than the time between Sayyidina Ibrahim and Sayyidina Adam That that was a great majority of the, the history of mankind was, was before. Now we're already nearer to the end. And so what do you think about Rasulullah wasallam? Uh, and so the first thing is that by wahi, by revelation, he was shown that place. And Allah Ta'ala gave him and Sayyidina Ismail the honor of rebuilding his... His, his Kaaba according to certain specifications that come from Wahi from Revelation and with the divine aid they rebuilt the, the, that Kaaba and after several years of interruption in the visitation of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they showed the people now how to make the rites again and those rites and rituals were, were revived and in honor of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, certain rites and rituals were added the ritual of the tawaf of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was primordial the ritual of the prayer, the salat is primordial. However, the ritual of going back and forth between Safa and Marwa is in honor of Sayyidina Hajar alayhi salam, the, 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 the wife of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam and the famous story about her taking the child with her and going back and forth looking for water and then Zamzam comes. The ritual of stoning, uh, uh, stoning the Jamarat in Mina this is a, a ritual that is, uh, commemorates uh, 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 an act of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. The other rituals, however, uh, which are camp, setting up camp in Mina and going to, uh, 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 going to uh, Arafat and coming back from Arafat, these are, uh, these are all uh, old rituals that predate Rasulullah at the very least. So we... Continue with the story that we mentioned in the khutbah, but because of time constraints, we could not we could not complete. Which is that Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, What did he do? He he uh, smashed the idols of, of the of his people, and then he puts the the axe in the hand of the the big idol, and then afterward he uh, 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 decides to what he decides to tell his people that the big one is the one who destroyed them. And the people obviously say that that's impossible because they're made out of wood and stone. And he said, then why do you worship them? And then they respond with what? With burn him, uh, set him alight. And uh, few people know 
what that actually meant. It wasn't like, you know, in Europe, Catholics and Protestants used to burn each other at the stake, so you have like a, like a post and they put firewood around and they just burn a person. Rather, the, uh, the, the high priest of his people, alayhi uh, salam, he made an announcement that we are going to have such a big burning for this person, it will be an exemplary punishment. And so they had people dig a ditch and that ditch was uh, 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 dug deep into the ground. And then after that, walls were erected around a, a, a large area. And what happened was he told the people that fill this, this, this pit with the wall around it, fill it with, with firewood and with uh, combustible things. And it took years, the Mufassirun say, it took years to fill that, that pit up. And he told the people that uh, whoever does this act of piety of adding to the, the fuel of this fire, if you need anything from your gods, uh, take a piece of wood and petition them, like, give me such and such thing, and as an act of piety, because I'm putting fuel in the fire to burn this person. Uh, 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 and shaitan would see that their prayers get answered like that. So the people for years, they built up this huge fire, now imagine if this is something that the people are anticipating for such a long time. When the fire is actually lit, it's something that nobody is going to miss. It's going to be something everybody is there, uh, to, uh, is there to see together. So obviously when such a person is burned, it's going to be an exemplary punishment. And I think this is something that's lost on a lot of us. Is that Sometimes, for example, when we see stuff on, on CNN and on Fox News... Uh, where they uh, uh, want to talk garbage about Muslims, and we're like, what kind of weird situation are we in now that like the kuffar have this uh, strange ability to turn uh, what's the deen al-haq in, into a, a kind of a, 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 some sort of like object of derision and some sort of like circus freak show that the entire world now gets wrong information about Islam and they think so horrible about it. This is nothing new. This is a, an ancient practice. This is an old practice and this is an ancient practice because what happens, this is something very important to understand. There's nothing new in this world. There's absolutely nothing new in this world. Human beings are the same human beings that they were from before. The same stuff people are doing in airplanes right now, someone was doing in a ship before. Same thing people are doing on, uh, in uh, cars right now, people were doing uh, on camels and horses from before. The same things people are doing in the masajid now, people were doing masajid before. Same thing people were doing in the marketplaces now. This is part of the hubris and the arrogance of, of the age that we live in, which is a special stupidity that we carry that other people didn't, is that we think what? We think that we're somehow special and we're different and everybody else is not the same. In fact, otherwise, this idea that somehow uh, being advanced is like a sign of kufr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says in his book, that when our verses are, and our signs are recited in front of them, they say these are the tales of the ancients. And who's saying that? The Quraysh in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, which is essentially Stone Age society. Even for the time they lived in, they were considered backwards. Uh, so this is all, none of this is new. This is all the same nonsense that people have been sprouting, spouting out before. Certain details from the outside look different, otherwise it's all the same. So their, their propaganda in that day was what? Is that build this huge fire, we'll make a huge uh, deal out of this. We'll make a big show and spectacle out of this. And... Uh, when they lit the fire, it literally took days for it to light. And when the fire was finally lit, they had a problem. 
What's the problem? The fire is burning so hot, no one can get anywhere near the fire. And you, you know that from, you know, from your own personal experience. If you ever light a bonfire, you can't really get close enough to touch it. It's so overwhelming in its heat that your body will, uh, uh, will like, uh, involuntarily like, not come close to it because it knows that this is going to burn me. Uh, and so if that's for like a, like a bonfire in a high school pep rally, then how do you think it's going to be for, uh, uh, for such a huge uh, fire that's, that's uh, lit? And so uh, the Mufassirun say that say, Shaitan came to uh, Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam in the form of, uh, says he came to the, sorry, the poem of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam in the form of a man who said, you have this problem that you can't get this person into the fire, I have a solution for you. And what was the solution is that he showed them how to build a catapult. catapult. Uh, in the Arabic, uh, uh, Arabic language, the word for catapult is manjaniq. He said, I'll show you how to build this catapult and you can uh, 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 toss him into the fire. And so they, they, uh, you know, they, they thanked him and they built the catapult and they, they, they uh, what you call, uh, calibrated it to uh, uh, throw him in. And he sits in the, in the catapult in the manjaniq and he's about to be uh, 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 thrown into the, into the fire. And uh, what happens? Uh, the angel Jibreel salam, comes to him and, and, and tells him that I'm an angel of the Lord. If he, I've come to save you. And, uh, 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 or sorry, he doesn't say it like this. I'm an angel of the Lord. If you wish, I'll, I'll, I'll help you at this point. He gives him an option. And Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, because remember, he's a young man. He's, even his nubuwa, his prophethood hasn't started yet. So he says to him, and he's gotten all to this point by what? But just by using his brain. And I've come to this conclusion after a long time that uh, people fear poverty, people fear hard work, they fear a lot of things, but there's almost nothing in life that most people fear more than like actually using their brain and thinking about things because they know once they start doing that, it's going to undo a lot of the things that they've done in their, in their life or a lot of the things that they take for granted or are convenient for them. So Sayyidina Ibrahim used his brain and it got him into this, into this mess. He used his brain again, which is what? He says to the angel Jibreel salam, that I have no need for, I have no need for you uh, 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 today. Allah Ta'ala will take care of me. I have no need for you today. Allah will take care of me. And this is the iman of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. I want everybody to uh, pause and uh, uh, think about the fact that if an angel came to us to save us from anything that we were ever in, if an angel got us out of a, a, a speeding ticket, we would think of our, ourselves as very pious and righteous people. Uh, 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 this is an angel that came to save his life, and he not only uh, uh, didn't care; he didn't take the uh, he didn't take the help either. It's a hadith of the Prophet wasallam that there will be seventy thousand people from my ummah la yarquna wa la yastarquna wa ala rabbihim yatawakkalun. There's seventy thousand people from his ummah that will be entered into Jannah without any uh, uh, any question or without any account. They just show up Yom Al-Qiyamah and they're, they're basically let straight in. And uh, 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 Rasulullah uh, um, he described them as those people who uh, neither depended on, depended on any sort of incantations, nor did they seek uh, incantations from other people. And everything they did, they just trusted in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this doesn't just mean incantations, because this is a whole issue of, for example, if you enter into a place and you... Uh, 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 say dua before you enter for protection. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But the idea is this is that some people trust the, 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 the dua and some people trust Allah Ta'ala. Some people wait to see a dream before they do what, what the right thing is. Some people just do it anyway. Some people wait for some sign or miracle to do what's right. Some people do it anyway. There's some people, Allah Ta'ala shows them some sign in their life and because of that they, they repent and take the path of righteousness. Those people are good. And there's some people who take the path of righteousness from the first place. Those people are better. And so uh, this is the iman of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam that he, he, he said, I don't need anything from you this day. My Lord will take care of me. And uh, uh, so what happens is that, that the catapult is let fly and he's asked, does he want help again? And he refuses the help again. And the most uh, uh, amazing thing is what? Is that when he's approaching the fire, the fire itself will ask him. And someone might say, what does that mean? This is a, a, an understanding that the ancients had and it's an understanding that also Islam validates. That every, everything in this world that is inanimate, whether it be physical things like rocks and stones, fire, chemicals, things like that, or whether it's an idea, like the idea of hatred or the idea of love or all of these things, abstract things. All of these things, they have a concrete existence and, and they have a, a personality that you will be able to interact with at some different level, at some different realm. Even the deeds that you do, they have, a, a, they, they, they have the form of a person in some different realm. Many of them, you'll come face to face with them on the Day of Judgment. So Allah Ta'ala lifted the veil and showed, him, showed Sayyidina Ibrahim salam that the fire the, as, a, as a person. Uh, and that fire asks him... Uh, 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 that, that uh, uh, you know, what would you like me to do for you? And Sayyidina Ibrahim salam still, he says, I have not, no need for you. I have no need from anyone this day except for my Lord. He said, he didn't come all this far only to uh, 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 then uh, ask for help from the created things because I came here just, uh, just because of my uh, desire to have a connection with the Creator. So the, the, the text of the Quran is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya nawukuni bardan wa salaman ala Ibrahim. And the Mufassirun say that, that, that Allah Ta'ala said to the fire, O oh fire, be cool and be uh, uh, safe for Ibrahim. They say that if Allah Ta'ala only told the fire to be cool for him, it would have become so cold, he would have frozen to death when he entered into it. Out of, uh, out of the fire's uh, uh, fear of Allah Ta'ala when it gives a command that it should fulfill the command uh, completely. And so Sayyidina Ibrahim enters into this huge fire which is going to burn for 40 days. Uh, and he stays in that fire. I mean, it's, it's such a huge fire, it will burn for such a long time. It's not like he was just there for like two hours and people are like, oh, he's not burning. They can't see what's going on. And the fire burns for a long time. And it's just a celebration of, uh, 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 of the people of Batil. It's a celebration of the people of Sayyidina Ibrahim uh, uh, And so he's in there and it burns for 40 days. And he remarks uh, later on in his life that those days were the best days of, of my life. When asked, what did you do in that fire for that time? He said, I received sustenance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala gave him supernatural sustenance that he could survive at that time. And he said, I led the angels in prayer uh, in, this, in this time. That he received some sort of, uh, of a special knowledge and some sort of uh, special help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, to make him a, a stronger and more perfect person. Uh, which is the help that the, 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 the Prophet received, maybe something akin to what Rasulullah received by uh, going in the Isra and Mi'raj and visiting uh, Jannah and visiting the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what's beyond it. And so what happens is that after this 40 days and 40 nights when the fire is done, it's already burned out. 
and uh, 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 what happens is that, that they come to inspect the, 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 the smoldering remains of the fire. They see that, they see that this person is, is unharmed and he's still alive. And so uh, idolaters to this day, they're all very superstitious people. And so they completely freak out when they see this and they get him out and they say, okay, we're not going to do anything else to you. Just get out, just leave. Right? This is something, idolaters are very superstitious people. The uh, partition of India and Pakistan happened whatever, uh, how many, it's more than seven decades ago. There are many masajid that are uh, in Hindu neighborhoods to this day. And the Hindus, some of them were so uh, uh, anti-Muslim that they literally took over those neighborhoods and those houses by force, by killing people. Uh, and they expelled every last Muslim from, from, from entire cities. But they're scared to enter into the masajid. They're scared to enter into the masjid. And I remember reading an article about this, that uh, uh, there, were, there was an earthquake in Gujarat, uh, uh, I think like 2000 or so, something like that. The Hindus got so freaked out, they actually asked the Muslims to come across town and to open up the masjid and start praying again uh, uh, in order to protect their neighborhoods from what? From, from they know what's going on who, and who it comes from, from the punishment of Allah Ta'ala. And then once they see that the Muslims are actually like, there's five times prayer, and they're coming very regularly, and say, no, 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 bad idea. They lock it up again and say, go home. There's, the earthquakes are done now, right? Um, the idea is, though, that a person whose intellect is compromised so much that, uh, that, that they're uh, able to worship wood and stone, uh, those people, all sorts of bizarre thoughts and uh, 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 bizarre uh, ideas come into their heads, and they don't know how to differentiate between one and the other. So a person maybe, for example, a very uh, talented computer programmer or a very talented engineer or doctor or lawyer or be very uh, proficient at a very small piece of the pie when it comes to knowledge. But holistically speaking, it's completely dysfunctional inside of their head. So what happens is that they, they, they let him go, alayhi uh, salam. And it's uh, uh, mentioned that he meets the uh, 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 he meets the, the the king of Babylon in his time, and he uh, um, you know asks him you know I, he, the king just wants to see who is this person that all of this big fuss happened with, and he says he they they bring him and he goes and meets him, and he says uh, uh, he says that uh, uh, tell me about your god that you worship instead of the gods of your people. And he says he's the one who gives life and death. And uh, uh, so he orders two slaves to come into the room. And he says, I choose this one has life. I choose this one dies. And they kill him. And uh, 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 Sayyidina Ibrahim salam says what? He says, well, my God is the one who causes the sun to rise from the east. So why don't you make it rise from the west? And uh, he says, whatever, you can go now. You can leave. And this is, this is the proof of, uh, of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only gave him prophethood, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then uh, uh, gives him the, the honor that he should what? Reconsecrate the, the Kaaba and the Masjid al-Haram and the rites of Hajj, all of these things, Zamzam, that Allah ta'ala should give him his uh, two sons in old age. Uh, and uh, he had other children after that as well. And that Allah ta'ala should give him a special promise, which is what? which is that nubuwa, prophethood, will stay in your family until the yawm qiyamah. Which is what? That no prophet will come except for he has to be from the line of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. which is another indicator, it's another indicator that what? That a majority of human history is gone already. That Allah Ta'ala sent a prophet to every nation, 
And that are all, already had finished by the time of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. That majority of human history is gone, there's very small amount of time left. That these people will be the vanguard, they'll be the flag holders of Nubu'a until the end of time. Now, this is what? This is all to a certain point. There's one more test at the end of all of these things. And there are many things that Sayyidina Ibrahim salam goes through before this and between these things that we don't have time to mention. But these, uh, 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 these tests are all to a certain point. Allah Ta'ala will test Sayyidina Ibrahim salam with one last test. And it's the most difficult test that he has, more so than smashing the idols and more so than doing all these other, uh, all these other things. Because they have to do with what? Understanding rationally that, that idol worship is wrong is, is something that uh, everybody should be able to do. Nobody will be excused for it, Yawmul Qiyamah, even if a Nabi doesn't come to him. Uh, the ulama say that if a person lives out, out in the woods or something like that and never speaks to anybody, that person will not be excused or forgiven for worshipping idols. That person should know just like anybody else. If you have knowledge or if you don't have knowledge, if you meet people, you don't meet people, this much anyone who has a sound mind, Allah Ta'ala accepts them to understand that the one who created the heavens and the earth can't be part of it. Like the, the analogy we gave in the... Uh, that we gave in the khutbah, which is that there's no carpenter who builds a table that, is a, that he's a part of. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. That's rationally impossible. Everybody is expected to know this much uh, uh, in front of Allah Ta'ala. If they cannot bring this much, then it's willful uh, uh, ignorance in, 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 in those things that are the rights of Allah Ta'ala. He broke the idols of his people. And this is something that we're also very uh, uh, very avid to do. That when we see something else happening in someone else's house that's haram, we're very avid to hate it and talk garbage about it and say bad about it. And really, anyone who has any common sense should. If somebody gave me the opportunity right now, I myself would tie up a rope and rip down like a, 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 a statue of Stonewall Jackson. I would take a picture of myself standing on top of it and put it up on Twitter and Facebook. And even if they sent me to jail, I'd, I'd probably show it to my cellmate and they would probably give me a high five for it, right? So I don't, I don't mind that at all. That's just part of being a regular human being, right? Uh, Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, Allah Ta'ala gave him all these tests that he went through. He went through all of them. The last test was the most difficult one, which is what? Which is it had to do with him himself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked at Sayyidina Ibrahim and saw what is the thing that you love the most in this world. And he saw that the thing that he loved the most is his son. His son for, for, for a couple of reasons. One thing is a person, obviously a normal human being, every normal human being should have love for their children. And unfortunately, uh, uh, I, uh, I, by Allah ta'ala's fadl, I have a, uh, uh, one of the honors Allah ta'ala bestowed me with is that uh, 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 a brother who read Nahu uh, Arabic grammar from me he went on to establish the Khalil Center which is a practice of clinical psychology based on, human, uh, on Islamic values and uh, uh, you know he, the brother because he read some books of ilm from me uh, he put me on the board although I didn't, I didn't really have much to do with building it it was a lot of hard work from him and from some other individuals but uh, he told me that they have, we, we regularly have clients that come in that are people who resent their children. And uh, uh, that's a sign of how unnatural and messed up our lives have become now. That husband and wife don't love each other, uh, children don't love their parents, and parents don't love their children anymore. It's not just a, so as a you know, culturally relevant uh, way of delivering this dars. Uh, I want to disclose the fact that there was a time where parents used to love their children a lot. And so he was from that time. 
But that, that's not all that it is. Uh, it's not just that. It's not just that he received uh, all of his children alayhi salam uh, through miraculous means. That he was, his wife was already, uh, had gone through menopause. He was already uh, uh, nearing if not over a hundred years old. And uh, he received these children through miraculous means after years of dua and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not just uh, the idea that uh, when, um, when, when, they be, when you become old, if you live out in the desert, uh, it's not like if you're hungry, you can go to the Kroger and buy groceries. You need somebody to chop wood. You need somebody to go hunt. You need somebody to do... There's like tasks and chores that uh, are missing from the house nowadays that they, that they were there. And if you're sick for a day, if you can't get up out of bed, you'll die because no one will be there to bring you water or food. And you'll die a, 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 a bad death because you won't be able to use the bathroom. There'll be no one to clean you. It will be very, uh, uh, very uh, uh, hard death for a person to uh, go through. It's not just those things either. What it is is that Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam had the hope and the desire that Allah Ta'ala gave him the, 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 the promise that what? That the nubuwa and the prophethood would be in his progeny. That the work of calling toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and the work of, 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 of preserving the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is an honor in this world and it receives so much uh, reward in the hereafter uh, Allah Ta'ala now asked him to do something that will completely cut that off. Uh, and so it's like a part of deen that a person is missing. So imagine a person if they're disappointed, who's going to be more disappointed? Tomorrow's your birthday party and like, you know, the restaurant you had reservations on canceled, canceled on you. Or a person who's going, leaving tomorrow on hajj and they uh, can't go on hajj anymore. The second thing is going to be more, uh, more disappointing. Why? Because the amount of selflessness you have to do, you have to have inside of yourself in order to, uh, uh, in order to do something for the sake of Allah Taala, that there's no benefit in it for you. The journey just to get to the point where you think about it is so it costs so much, and then afterward, your hope and your desire in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala brings you so far. Selfish people will never know what any of these things mean, because the first journey they didn't take, and the second journey they can't even imagine what it means. So Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, this whole journey he, he came through and he thought this is going to be something, this is, I, everything led up to this, I did so much for this, and he had so much hope in it, and now Allah Ta'ala said what? That, that's, not part of the, that's not part of the plans, or at least he, uh, he so thought that it's not part of the plans. So he shows Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, in his dreams that he has to sacrifice and slaughter his son. Uh, now, this is, there's a couple of things to note. One is that when a person sees something in a dream, uh, even if the dream is a true dream, the realm of dreams is what? The realm of dreams, you see things in the realm of dreams as, as metaphor. Why? Because the dream, you don't see it in this world, you see it in a different realm. And like we said, ideas and inanimate things and a lot of stuff that we don't really think about in this realm as uh, having uh, uh, life, they're alive in other, in other places. So sometimes you might see something and you might see uh, you know, some friend of yours doing something and it's not your friend you're seeing and it's not the thing that they're doing. The friend represents something, the thing that they're doing represents something. So the dream requires interpretation. However, from the Anbiya when they receive wahi, uh, uh, when they receive uh, a revelation, because the revelation has to be clear, when they see those things in a dream, it's not, it's not, a, uh, uh, it's not a representation one thing for another. Rather, what they see is what has to happen. So Sayyidina Ibrahim will sacrifice a number of things 
trying to see is this is this a uh, uh, is this what I saw in my dream was it a metaphor for uh, another thing or was it exactly the thing that I need to do and so after going through all of this process and seeing the dream again and again he uh, uh, completely removes all doubt that the thing I saw is the thing that I have to that I have to do so he calls his uh, uh, son now this is another uh, this is another uh, uh, important note that when you talk to uh, your Christian and Jewish uh, neighbors and friends and whatnot, and they'll say, oh, it wasn't Ishmael, it was Isaac. Uh, the fact of the matter is that which son it was is irrelevant for, for the moral of the story. And so don't let them dodge uh, uh, learning the lesson that they're supposed to learn from that story by getting mired in details, which is what usually people do. They fixate on small things and they miss, miss the big, big picture. Because even in our own tradition, there are narrations of the Sahaba عنهم, that some of them said that, that it was Ishaq and not Sayyidina Ismail. Although the overwhelming majority of them uh, said it was Sayyidina Ismail and the, the siyaq of the Qur'an, the fact that the Qur'an mentions the birth of Sayyidina Ismail, then mentions this story, and then afterward mentions the birth of Ishaq it seems to indicate that it was Sayyidina Ismail and certain hadith of the Prophet where he says that I'm the son of the two sacrifices, uh, uh, one of them being uh, uh, Sayyidina Ismail because of that the ulama say that it was him, but the point is that even if we concede this, this small point, the bigger uh, uh, lesson is, uh, uh, yet to be uh, uh, learned and understood. So Sayyidina Ismail salam, uh, Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, when he comes to the, the conclusion that he has to sacrifice him, he calls him and he says that uh, uh, I, I was shown by Allah Ta'ala that I have to uh, 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 slaughter you in your, in, uh, uh, slaughter you. I was shown in my, my dreams that I have to slaughter you as a sacrifice for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So what's your, what do you have to say about all of this? Sayyidina Ismail salam, said what? Ya abati fa'al ma tu'mar satajduniya insha'Allah min as-sabirina. So, oh my dear father, do uh, the thing that you were commanded and you will find me insha'Allah from amongst those who are patient. It comes in the tafsir of this, uh, uh, of this ayah that one of the things he told his father, this is just a summary of what he said to his father. One of the things that he said to his father is that when you bind me, because uh, the sacrifices were bound, he said, bind me, and when you, uh, when you bind me, uh, bind me in such a way that, uh, that my face is away from you, or that my face is toward the ground, and that you uh, 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 pull the knife from behind my, uh, for, that you, you, you stand behind me, and then uh, put the knife in front of my neck and uh, slaughter me from behind. Uh, lest you see the look in my eyes and mercy overwhelm you and you waver in the, the moment that you need to be decisive uh, in, in, in executing the, uh, uh, the, the command of the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a, a very amazing, this is a very amazing and moving uh, 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 conversation between the two of them. That both of them are in line and they're in sync with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're in sync with, with one another with regards to the deen of Allah ta'ala. This is something that people miss out on so much that, uh, uh, that when we do things together, uh, uh, we get so much more done and we're able to achieve a thing that we're not able to do when we're alone, we're combative with one another. And the first level you rectify is yourself. The second level, according to the sunnah of Rasulullah is your own family. In fact, he gave the call of Islam to his family members first before going public with it. And then after that, uh, it's your community. And after that, then it's your nation. And then after that, it's the, uh, the, the whole mankind. There's priorities in, in regards to all of these things. 
uh, and uh, you will receive more reward for, for observing this hierarchy than you will by jumping the, the, the order. Uh, and so what happens is that Sayyidina Ibrahim السلام, has this uh, extraordinary conversation with his son. And uh, 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 what happens is Shaitan tries to uh, uh, tempt the boy by saying, what, your father is going to kill you, are you going to stand for this? And he uh, uh, repels the Shaitan. And then afterward he goes to, uh, 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 for he, first he goes to Sayyidina Ibrahim, tries to talk him out of it, and Sayyidina Ibrahim repels, uh, repels the Shaitan. And then afterward he goes to the son and, and, and tries to uh, uh, tell him that your old man is going to kill you. And he repels the shaitan. And then the third, third one he goes to is uh, 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 Sayyidah Hajar alayhi salam. That Allah Ta'ala gave you this boy after so long, after so many years. And now he's going to just kill him and it's going to uh, mean that there's no one to take care of you in your old age. And this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And she said that if Allah Ta'ala commanded him to do it, then, then there's, there's good in it. So she repelled the shaitan as well. And this is uh, the commemoration of what? The stoning shaitan in three different places in Hajj. Uh, the Jamratul Aqaba, Jamratul Wusta, Jamratul Kubra, Jamratul Wusta, and Jamratul Aqaba. That, that the three places that you stone the shaitan seven times each uh, when, you're, when you're in Hajj. You stone the last uh, pillar once on the 10th uh, uh, of Dhul Hijjah, and then you stone on the 11th, and the 12th, and the 13th. You stone all three of them, seven uh, uh, stones each. The 13th is optional, whoever wants to leaves, uh, leaves early. All the Americans leave early. And uh, all the people who have love of Allah and His Rasul they all stay in stone all three days. You'll see the nations of the earth, all the rich people will bounce. And uh, all the, everybody else will, will, will stay in stone. Uh, the people who came with great love and fervor and prepared their whole... Their whole life, those people. I it really, Wallahi It's like uh, I, every year, the year, every year uh, I go on Hajj. Uh, um, when we say who wants to do it, there's maybe one or two, three people. After like a, a, a long encouragement, will stay, and uh, uh, like the other 300 people from the group are going to bounce. And those are the years where I myself stay. <laughs> if I don't stay, no one in the groups won't even ask about it. <laughs> it comes in the hadith of Rasulullah This is something that we mentioned in the khutbah as well. The barakah of the sacrifice, do you think if it was your sacrifice and my sacrifice, Allah Ta'ala would have given us that much reward? Absolutely not. The barakah of the stoning of the, 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 the jamarat. Rasulullah said, for every stone that's cast at the uh, at the uh, the jamarat in that time, Allah Taala will forgive such a sin that if they were to be taken account for it, it would have dragged a person into the hellfire. So imagine you have a third day to stone, you have 21 more stones to uh, cast at the at the jamarat. The person would be out of their mind not to take it, and unless they're extremely sick, they're about to die or something like that. They would have gone through the difficulty. Uh, uh, but you know, if you try doing so, you'll see that the, the entire North American camp in in, uh, in in Mina is abandoned. They don't even serve food because nobody stays at at those places. Khair, that's another that's another thing. Allah Taala give all of us himna. At least if we have a chance, we should all make niyyah that inshallah Allah Taala next time you take us for Hajj that we that we uh, we have the, the the strength and the the iman and the fortitude, fortitude to go through the difficulty and the heat and, and, and benefit from it. But imagine what what does that mean that the original like what should what must have gone through the original uh, 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 people from whom all of this barakah starts. Right? What must have gone through the mind of Sayyidina Ibrahim, the heart of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi What must have gone through the the heart of his son? What must have gone through the heart of his wife? 
that they not only accepted the commandment, but they uh, uh, stoned the shaitan who was coming to them with the thing that they wanted. And this is a, a very, uh, it's a very strange, it's a very strange uh, uh, episode from the prophetic history of mankind. Why? The Jews to this day, uh, they discuss it, right? Remember we said that the, the sacrifice, sacrifices are bound. In Hebrew, they refer to the occasion of this, uh, 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 this occasion as the uh, akedah. Aqada in, in, in Arabic also means, one of the meanings of it is to bind something, to tie something up. So they refer to it, to it as the, the binding of, 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 of Ishaq al-Islam. They, they don't understand what the point of any of it was. To this day, the, the rabbis, they say, we don't understand, we have to speculate, we don't know why, why would God ask uh, uh, Abraham to k- kill his son, alayhi salam. Why would he ask him to kill his son? And uh, they, they speculated, they considered it to be theologically problematic. In fact, it is a position of the rabbis which, uh, to, to say that Sayyidina Ibrahim failed the, the test. And what should he have done? He should have told God, no, it's unjust for you to ask me to kill another person and I'm not going to do it. And that he failed the test. I actually heard this from a, I heard this from a rabbi, actually from several rabbis. And as a Muslim, we kind of laugh at that. Why? Because the idea is this, is that if the commandment comes from Allah, we hear and we obey. And the point of the, the, the prophets and the point of the ulama is to do what? Is to take the people whose uh, uh, relationship with Allah Ta'ala is broken in two, make it whole again. Right? What kind of alim is going to tell a person, look, God commands you to do stuff, you shouldn't listen to him. That even the person who has a good relationship with Allah Ta'ala, you're breaking it. It makes no sense whatsoever. And, uh, uh, you know, this is something that obviously our, our, uh, you know, our neighbors and our friends and people, many of whom wish uh, good for our community, we wish good for their community as well. But in terms of theology, we have to suffice by saying that we have a very rigorous uh, uh, disagreement with you uh, with regards to even considering this position to be uh, a matter of debate. Because if any Muslim ever came up with this position, that Ibrahim Aliyah failed the, the, the exam, we would make that clear. This, this man is a kafir, get him out of our masjid. He can, go, he can go and open his own worship and his own cult because this is not anything to do with Islam. And I think it should be intuitive to a person of sound mind why, why that's the case. I look at the Christians, what is their, their interpretation of this, this uh, event? They say, oh, well, maybe God was just uh, doing this as a, a precursor to the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, on the day of judgment, and so again, we have to, you know, with all love and respect for our Christian neighbors and friends and well wishers and 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 fellow Americans, you have to wonder. Again, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is just, right? And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is just, and because of His justice, you say He can't forgive people. We say He can forgive whoever He wants to, because all the rights belong to Him in the first place. He created the entire mankind and the entire universe from nothing. Everything belongs to Him anyway. He forgives who he wills and he uh, 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 takes to task whoever he wills. No, no, no. He has to forgive. He has to punish every sinner because of his justice. Because of his what? His, because of his what? His justice. This is part of our aqidah, by the way, as Muslims, that people go to the fire because of Allah's justice and people go to Jannah because of Allah's grace. They go to the fire because of Allah's justice and they go to Jannah because of Allah's what? His fadl, his grace. 
So the idea is this, is that if you say he has to be just to everybody, how are you going to tell us about his grace in the first place? The idea of grace is, goes out the window anyway, right? That's why Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, commands us not to be just with one another. He commands us to forgive one another to be even one step higher. Okay, fine. He's just, he has to punish every sinner. How is punishing the one person who never committed a sin just? Makes no sense whatsoever, right? So we're sorry... We have a very rigorous disagreement with you, theologically speaking, and we feel like you have kind of, you missed the boat with regards to this story. What is what is the the dean teach us? It's something that, mashallah, it's so simple and so beautiful that even our children understand it. And uh, something making a lot of sense and being very easily explained is not a sign that there's something wrong with it. It's a sign actually that it is the truth, right? Lies are difficult to understand because they don't actually exist. The truth is easy to understand because it makes so much, all the pieces of the puzzle fit together, right? What is the explanation of the people of this deen? That Allah Ta'ala created the heavens and the earth, He has a complete right over everyone. He asked Sayyidina Ibrahim to do it, Sayyidina Ibrahim did what he asked him and what happened? It comes in the, uh, the Mufassirin, right, that Sayyidina Ibrahim actually took the knife and ran it over the throat of his son. And ran it back and forth. And he was so like in the zone when he was doing it. It's Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar when he's... Uh, 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 when he's running the, th- uh, the, the knife over the throat of uh, Sayyidina Bra- uh, Ismail alayhi uh, the Mufassirin say that Allah Ta'ala miraculously causes his throat to become hard like metal so the knife can't go in but he's still doing it he's still trying to get in there and so he's saying Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar and the Sayyidina, uh, angel Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi he shows up to give him the glad tidings that, that this, uh, this was a test and so he says to get his attention, La ilaha illallah. And he's still in the zone, he's not even listening. He's still saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And he's trying to cut the, cut the, the throat of his son. And Sayyidina Ismail sees what, or realizes what happens. Allah Ta'ala saved me. He bailed me out of this. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala saved me. He says, Walillah alhamd. Walillah alhamd. Praise be to Allah Ta'ala. This is the takbir of, this is the, takbir of the Eidain. And this is a, 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 the takbir of victory that Allah Ta'ala, when He gives victory to the people who go out in the path of Allah Ta'ala, and when the people, Muslims go out for the Eid, this is the takbir that they say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah, Wallahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam will come and physically stop him once he realized that this is not happening and this is no longer the commandment of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He calms him down. And they untie the the the, uh, uh, the the sacrifice, Sayyidina Ismail alayhi salam. And then Sayyidina Jibreel brings a, 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 a celestial sacrifice to be put in its place. What sacrifice is that? Mufassirin say that the two sons of Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam, both of them made a sacrifice Allah Ta'ala accepted from one of them and it didn't accept from the other. He says to his brother, Allah Ta'ala only accepts from those who fear him. That that animal that was sacrificed and was accepted and because of which uh, 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 the son of Adam salam, was murdered. That sacrifice was then at that time taken to the heavens and preserved in that place. Sayyidina Jibreel will bring that ram down again uh, uh, to this earth and he'll substitute, him, substitute that ram that this is Allah gives you this animal now. This is the interpretation of your dream that this is a great sacrifice Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts it uh, uh, in the place of your son, so sacrifice it for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. And that's how this practice was inaugurated of making the sacrifice on the, uh, on the, uh, on the day of Eid, on the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah. The simplest of lessons that should be learned from this, it's very important to understand. And it's something that sits inside of the heart of every believer. 
Allah Ta'ala asks from everybody great sacrifices. You listening? Allah Ta'ala asks great sacrifices from every person, every believer. But He takes the sacrifice almost never. He'll ask everybody for great sacrifice, but He'll almost never take the sacrifice. What happens? You're going to do what's right, and you say, oh, I'm going to get fired from my job, and I'm going to lose this much amount of money, and I'm going to become homeless, and my uh, family's going to hate me, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. hundred things are going to happen because I'm going to say the truth, or I'm going to do what's right. What ends up happening? Most, more often than not, nothing. More often than not, nothing. More often than not, it's completely anticlimactic. What happens even if you lose something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, first in this dunya gives you something better, and then He gives you something better in the akhirah as well. Allah ta'ala asked for a sacrifice from Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, but He didn't take the sacrifice from him. And this is an important lesson regarding many things in the deen. That outwardly it seems that the act you're doing is something with the limbs, money is changing hands, uh, you're praying, you're eating, you're not eating, you're doing all sorts of different things. But the reason that the wisdom for all of these, for all of these different things Allah Ta'ala asks us to do, whether it's the acts of worship or whether it's how we deal with our parents or our children or our spouses or how we transact financially or all of these other different types of, uh, of, of commandments in the deen. What happens on the outside, the reason it's important is because it, it more often than not results in a change inside the heart. The idea of the sacrifice was what? Is that Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, there is one thing left Allah Ta'ala wanted to show, show himself and show Ibrahim salam, and show everybody that what? Even though Allah Ta'ala has knowledge of all things even before they happen, that what? That, that was it necessary he would have done it. Right? That was the thing he loved the most and if it was necessary he would have done it. Now what does that lesson does that teach you and I? If the, the thing Allah Ta'ala wants to see is a change inside of the heart, if you do it yourself voluntarily, that change inside of the heart, you'll spare yourself from having to go through so many difficulties with regards to the deen. That thing that you need a little bit of push for your heart to get to that point, Allah Ta'ala from His mercy, He'll send a storm of circumstances down on you, to get you to the point where you get that little push where your heart can say, okay, yes, I would have done that for Allah Ta'ala as well. So a smart person is the one who does what? Who works on their heart and gets it to that point in the first place. And this can be done from a number of different methods. And we're not saying that we're going to, you know, we're smarter than the Prophet Sallallahu uh, not by any stretch. Rather, they understood this lesson and they pushed themselves to a point already. And then they, they, that high point that's so far, or so much further away than what we're going to ever attain, Allah Ta'ala gave them a gentle nudge as well. For us, sometimes we get the gentle nudge just for the, like the step one of that journey that they already traversed for a thousand miles. But at any rate, for us, we can take that lesson as well. That by preparing the heart, that it loves Allah Ta'ala more than it loves other things that you would do for the sake of Allah Ta'ala what you wouldn't do for other people etc etc by visualizing by practicing by making the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala by saying your prayers by strictly and stringently observing the sharia etc etc you can get your heart to a point that you may absolve yourself from having to go through a great number of difficulties and there are some people Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala loves them so much that if they don't put in the effort themselves He'll throw a storm of circumstances at, at them 
And those people will get to that get to that point through having to go through external difficulties. This is something that a lesson that the companions of the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam they they learned that instead of having to wait to go through difficulty, they imposed those mujahadat and those difficulties on themselves. So that what? It doesn't come involuntarily from the outside, but they in metered doses, they chose to eat uh, simple, they chose to live simple, they chose to spend from their money, they chose to go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and deny themselves the comforts and the, the, the luxuries of life, so that they don't be those people who are enjoying, 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 and then one day, bam, you know, this whole set of stuff comes up on them, and their physical life falls apart, but Allah Ta'ala saved them from their akhirah falling apart. This is a lesson we, we don't think about, we don't understand with regards to our own, our own lives. We think we say, La ilaha illallah, and we're completely scot-free. Allah Ta'ala loves the people of La ilaha illallah way too much to allow that to happen. So you either choose to take those things on and to mold your heart on your own schedule. Or if you leave it to the last minute, it'll, it'll hit you, but it will hit you so hard you're going to cry before you, you leave. At any rate, on the Day of Judgment, when people are going to Jannah, whether they pick the first way or the second way, everyone will be happy that they're there. But on this side, we can understand why one is superior to the other. And we know that the best of the Ummah, which is the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba whom the best people of this Ummah were the ones who chose to what? Impose it on themselves in meter doses because what? The, the, the slow and steady wins the race. Everybody knows that, right? So this is something that we see uh, uh, as a, uh, a lesson. Sayyidina Ibrahim even him, Allah Ta'ala asked him for that sacrifice, but it's not like he took it. It, it would have been his right that he let the knife go through the throat of Sayyidina Ismail and Sayyidina Ibrahim would have been completely broken inside. Allah Ta'ala would have given him such a reward and his son such a reward and his wife such a reward that nobody in the creation would have uh, uh, felt bad for pity for them. Everyone would have been jealous for, of them. He could have taken that sacrifice and it's his right. He created the heavens and the earth from nothing. But he didn't. Right? That's, that he did it. He, he, what, he, he did that thing and it, sh- it showed it. Sayyidina Ibrahim showed Allah, showed everybody that this is what is in the heart of my slave, that it's only for me and it's for nobody else other than me. After after Sayyidina Ibrahim salam will pass this test, he'll be put through no more uh, difficulty, no more test. Why? Because he's reached the maqam and the level that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created him for. Uh, and because of that, uh, his name is out of the creation, the, 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 the name that's second after the name of our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and in following his every act, there's so much barakah and reward for us as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq of understanding the lesson from his sacrifices. Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq of being people who follow in his footsteps and be, uh, be people who represent the middle of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq of visiting his sacred house again and again. Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq of visiting the, 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 the court of Sayyidina Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam in Medina Munawwara and presenting our salam there again and again and being able to enjoy its, its, its happiness and enjoy its enjoyments and benefit from its, its blessings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, accept the hajj from those people who are going on hajj this year. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from uh, all the people who are 
making tawaf and sa'i and all the people who are in Arafat, all the people who are in Mina, all the people who take up ihram and say, Labbaik, Allahumma Labbaik. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of being amongst them, inshallah, this year and every year afterward. Allah Ta'ala accept from us and give us a khatima and an ending on iman that the best of our days is our last day and the best of our moments is our last moment and the best of our words are our last words. La ilaha illallah, Sayyidina Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah Ta'ala accept it from us and give us a death better than our life and a time in the grave better than our death and a resurrection better than our time in the grave and a gathering better than uh, our resurrection and a judgment better than our gathering and give us to drink from the hawd of Rasulullah wasallam, and give us from his shafa'ah from his intercession on the day of judgment and give us a maqam with him and with uh, Allah's awliya forever and ever in Jannah uh, a maqam that never uh, perishes and never ends Allah Ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq wa sallallahu ta'baraq wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Subhan rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha